Olofinjana to Lawrence. Played through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller has scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Don't worry everyone, this podcast is being paid for by the taxpayer. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. It's a West Ham United preview. Unfortunately, we're without a West Ham fan today. Maybe there's a big scrap going on in some dockyard somewhere that we didn't know about. Uh, None of them uh, got back to us, so uh, sorry about that, but maybe we'll uh, just do some Cockney accents later or something. Anyway, one person who is here is Ben Cartwright. How are you doing? Good evening, good evening. Very well as always. I've just sort of, I'm on the other end of about an hour and a half of Manchester traffic that should have taken about 20 minutes. So I'm very happy to be able to to talk about Stoke to cheer me up for the next however long. Excellent. And uh, we'll start the way these preview shows have started recently, which is by asking, what is your favourite Stoke v West Ham game ever? This is a really difficult question because having thought about it in that time in the car, I realised there was actually a lot of West Ham games I've been to. Um, obviously, as a Southern Stokey, whenever the games come come round to places like West Ham, it will always be the, the types of games that me and my dad and brother and uncle will try and get to. So, um, But then the, the, I think the favourite memory has to be a home game at the Brit, which, of course, the... The FA Cup quarterfinal against West Ham. Um, Danny Higginbotham with that free kick. I can still remember it. I can still see it in my mind. Um, to send us to Wembley, that was that was special to be able to be there. Um, so I think that has to go down as my favourite. But there are a couple of other memories. Um, and one that, that just sort of sprung to mind just a, a couple of minutes ago when... When you, I'm sure we'll talk about the tweet you've released earlier, but I saw someone tweeted, um, fight, fight, fight was in their tweet. And I was like... Hang on a second. Ricardo Fuller slapped Andy Griffin in a West Ham game, <laughs> and I yeah, and that that was another game I was I, I was there and I and the the confusion among the sort of gang when when Ricardo Fuller got sent off was yeah it was confusing to say the least. So I think that has to go down as the favourite moment in hindsight anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, they're always uh, it always seems to be a lot going on in Stoke West Ham games. It is been quite a few eventful ones um i think the fa cup quarterfinal is probably the runaway favorite for most of us um just due to the scenes and us mm. getting to wembley it was a it was a horrible game in many respects because of just the sheer uh nerve sh- nerve shredding tension of it um we took the lead through a hooth header from a delap throw um and then picky on uh handballed it past Sorensen and scored for the equaliser just before half time. So there was there was a sense of injustice. And then early in the second half, Matthew Etherington won a very soft penalty um, that you kind of knew the ref was going to give because he'd made such an error the first half. But then Etherington missed the penalty and you thought, oh God, we're in for an awful afternoon. But um, yeah, Higginbottom... That I remember for some reason I remember the the wall being moved back another ten yards at that free kick and that <laughs> uh, put him in shooting range or something because I think yeah these were the days before uh, vanishing spray so the wall wasn't <laughs> uh, wasn't doing its job properly uh, I think and 
going back a few years now, um, in 2003, I think it was, we played at Upton Park, and Fraser Richardson, uh, th- there's a name you'll uh, do well to remember, scored the only goal for us in what I think was Jerry Taggart's debut for the club. We'd been on a really bad run in the championship, and Jerry Taggart was signed on loan. And for um, West Ham, obviously, were you know flying high in the championship at that point. And then we won there, and then I think it kind of sparked a run for us under Tony Pulis, where we uh, became uh, a mid-table championship club rather than one that fought relegation all the time. Yeah, I mean, I've I, the the other games that I've been to as as a as a Stoke fan were the I remember the League Cup game at the at the Berlin Ground where we lost three one. Um, well, it was one one um, in the full ninety. Then we we went down to lose. So that was that was a lovely occasion. And, and another strange memory from it must have been. I'm not I'm not sure on the specific game it was to be honest with you, but I remember it was at the Brit. It was Stoke v West Ham, and and as we are from from North of London. We came up with a West Ham fan. One of my dad's mates just came in the car. He'd go off to the away end, and we'd meet up with him after the game. and And I just have this distinct memory of sort of standing around the the Britannia car park, waiting for the West Ham fans' release. Because of course, um, well, there, there's that bit of that rivalry. West Ham fans all have a fight, and apparently some Stoke fans do too. Um, so we we were waiting around, and, and the West Ham fans weren't being allowed out. So we had to wait around for quite a while. And at this stage, it's sort of a line of Stoke fans were encircling us, like from one side, um, sort of looking thuggish and scary for for a for a boy of no more than twelve years or some I don't know however old I was. It was it was quite um, intimidating. Um, and then obviously the West Ham fans were going to be released the other side. So we're in this middle of this potential storm of of fighting. Um, it didn't happen. Luckily. The police came to say the day they um they settled down the situation, but I just have that distinct memory. I don't know why, um, but yes. So hopefully, hopefully now, obviously, we've seen the news of um, West Ham fans and Stoke fans being segregated. No Stoke fans will be will be harmed in the making of that ninety minutes of football on Saturday. We hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely hope so. Um, the stadium thing has just been a complete farce. It just seems to be every week. There's a there's a new quote or a new story coming out about uh, what a disaster it's been, whether it's in terms of like uh, the view they've got from their seats or the inadequate stewarding or just uh, fighting generally breaking out. Oh, it's uh, uh, good luck to uh, all the Stoke fans who go and hope, uh, hope obviously nothing bad happens, but um, I'm, I'm just completely baffled by the whole thing. And, and this is on the uh, taxpayer as well this uh this this new stadium that's been nothing but trouble so far <laughs> uh, i'll take it you're not going to the uh london stadium on saturday i mean unless anyone's got two tickets i mean i've got this this platform to use i'm i'm in london on saturday but i'm i'm just i'm just a member so <laughs> i don't think it even went through to that stage of selling tickets so I, I, I wasn't able to buy a ticket but if anyone wants to give away two tickets i'll happily take them off your hands but yeah, um, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not going. Yeah, me neither. Um, yeah, I, I also were uh, not that high ranking to get uh, ticket, <laughs> tickets as soon as they come out. But um, yeah, it, it's nice going to new grounds, I suppose. Not, it's not technically a new ground, but uh, it, it's it's a new football ground at least. But 
Anyway, yeah, I think I think I think if it, if it wasn't for all these issues that we all know about, then I think it would be quite an exciting one to go to. Obviously, with the with the legacy it has of being the Olympic Stadium and what have you, it's I'm sure it'd be quite a nice one to go to. I didn't get to go to the Olympics, so I, it'd be nice to visit visit that stadium. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe another year when they when there isn't a risk of sort of getting your head knocked in if you go to a football game. Yeah, I've I've been to the um, the old Berlin ground to watch Argentina play. Bizarrely enough, and um, that was quite a. It, it was everything I expected almost because it was a like you've got those narrow streets around the stadium. Mm. You've got those like old fashioned uh, kind of Victorian pubs just next door to the ground. And I've like walked past the Olympic Stadium or the London Stadium as it is is now, and it's just a, it's kind of a wasteland almost. It's just like miles of just nothing, and it's just. Yeah. I mean, we hardly want to talk with the Britannia Stadium, not exactly <laughs> slam bang in the middle of a city centre, but yeah, it's just it's just I feel a bit sad for for the um, kind of the old school West Ham fan who must just look around and think, oh god. <laughs> what have we what become? Have we, what have we done? <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Don't feel too sorry for them. Yeah. I mean, uh, so West Ham this season. Uh, talking about the actual football team now. They've really underwhelmed. They went out to the uh, Europa League to Astra Gurgu, wasn't it? And um, yeah, this season in the league, they they're just not looking the side they were last season. Why do you, why do we think this is? I think they've been sort of suffering from injuries, haven't they? They obviously got um, that Andre Ayew. That is the right brother, yeah, Andre Ayew um, in, um, and he was going to be their sort of big signing, exciting signing, and and he got injured pretty much straight away. I think he might be back soon. I don't know if it's if he's back for this Saturday, but he's definitely back soon for them. Um, and then the the other signings, big signings they've made, have, have definitely flattered to deceive. I mean. Simon Zaza is good for strange penalty run-ups, but it doesn't seem to be good for much else. Um, Paye saved them a lot of times last season. Um, hasn't been at his best, 100%. Um, and yeah, and then defensive frailties as well. I mean, they've, they, they've suffered like us. And again, it's probably at the fault of injuries. Um, I know that Cresswell at left-back is quite an important player for them. Winston Reid has missed a few games, I believe. Um, so yeah, I... I I'm sure they'll get better. I mean, they they do have some some decent players. I think some players that would get into our team. Um, but yeah, I think they'll turn it around. I don't know what you think on that. Yeah, I, I think uh, Billet showed last season that he's obviously a quality manager, and the the players respect him. I think a lot of it has to do with this adjustment to a new stadium, which I I, I do think that is a factor. I think a lot of it. I've seen a lot of people kind of dismiss that, saying, "Oh, come on, grow up!" You know, it's just it's just a new stadium, kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think that w- that will play on some of the players who who aren't used to uh, that being their home ground, if you like. Because certainly in the first few games of the se- uh, season, it, it will have felt like an away game for them, and so they've they've got to have time to get used to that. And what? Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's similar to what's happening to Tottenham at Wembley. Not that I want to talk about Tottenham for any length of time, but yeah, I think there is definitely something in that. Definitely. Yeah, I think they they started 
maybe relatively slowly last season, perhaps not as slow as this, but uh, I think Paye maybe needed some time off after a, after the European Championships, and like you said, they have had injuries as well. So I think I think they'll probably uh, finish around where we finished. To be honest, I can't see them being down that end of the table for too long. So you think they'll get Europe too? Ooh, uh, yeah, there top four, go. mate. Yeah, us and West Ham top <laughs> four, yeah. <laughs> Um, Why not? Uh, speaking of us, um, Shakiri and Cameron both unlikely to start, according to Mark Hughes's quotes today. So, where does this leave the team then? From your point of view, do you? And obviously, Marko Anatovic is out. Uh, I should say as well. From uh, so, who who plays on the wing is the is the big question, I guess. Well, this this was one of my conversations in the in the car. One of my the person I was driving with is a is a United fan, and he was saying, "So, like, what's gonna go? What's gonna happen with the with your game on Saturday?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, Arnautovic and Shakiri are definitely out. It looks like so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get some wingers in." And I'm like, "We've only got three wingers really in the in the squad. I'm I'm not I don't count John Walters as a winger anymore." Um, or Mame Buramjuf, I'll add that as well. So I think Sobby has to start, but then Mark Hughes also said that we need to be careful about his sort of development and not overplaying him or something like that. Um, I would I would love to see Sobby again for the full for full ninety, and then on the other wing, it's it's a difficult one. I mean, obviously you've got Bojan sitting on the bench, and we'd all love to see him get a game, but do we want to see him struggle on the right wing again? I'm not sure I do. Um, so it might have to be. John Waters. It might have to be John Waters and Sobby, which is two completely different wingers on each side of the pitch. I don't think you get a pair of wingers that are that are further <laughs> apart from each other. Really thinking about it, um, but yeah, there, am I missing any other options? Because I, I, I really, I, I don't understand why we've got such a dearth of of wingers when we've got about four or five strikers. When we only use a system with one striker, it it doesn't really make much sense. Um. I think the answer to the right wing issue. I think uh, I think I'd like to see Sobi uh, start on the left wing mm-hmm. as well. I think the answer to the right wing issue is difficult. Um, but all I've got in my head at the moment is just a a flashing screen like on QI when you get an answer wrong, just like in <laughs> in bold type go go woo woo woo, <laughs> and two words are appearing in my head. Deploy and Ngoy. <laughs> I think I oh. think this could be his moment. I think this legends are, legends have been made in that Olympic Stadium in <laughs> less time than ninety minutes. So I think Julian Ngoy should uh, should just not even bother waiting for Mark Hughes' call. Really, I think he should just turn up, say say, "Come on, boss, I'm starting this." You know, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know how players normally step off the coach when they go to a game with their sort of headphones on, the beats on, with their wash bag. Julian Ngoy just steps off the coach in full kit, just ready, ready for action. Yeah, I That's think he's I'm probably in full kit now. To be honest, I think he's just uh, <laughs> he's he, lying in bed with his eyes wide open. That's <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing about deploying Goy. You, you you need to be ready to deploy him at any given minute. So he, he's in a constant state of just about to play a game of football. So it's been a it's been a frustrating uh, first few months of the season for him, but uh, his time will come. Don't worry about that. 
I thought you were going to say Valinden at first. Who? For the answer, Valinden. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, well, well, <laughs> Academy player, Ben, what are you on about? <laughs> well, that's, yeah, well, that's what I thought, but it, we've gone for a different Academy player, of, of course. Um, so, how, how, are we, how are we feeling about this game in general? Does the absence of Onatovic and Shakiri just make you think, oh, take a point? Yeah, it does. To be honest with you, I think we've we've won three games on the bounce against terrible opposition. To be frank, I mean the Swansea game quickly was it, again. It was just a fantastic performance, and and it was great to see. I was thinking about that in the car that from what we were at the start of the season, so that Swansea game is fantastic, and and if we can continue that, then great. But I just I think with the players we're missing, we're definitely going to struggle with that. I think Cameron as well. If he's out, it's a huge loss. Um, and maybe it would be time to to drop Allen back into the whole midfield if it's just a temporary on a temporary basis. Then then so be it. Um, pardon the pun, but really? yeah, uh, I I think we'll struggle without well two of our most creative, well two of our best creative players really. If you if you discount Allen as a creative player really, um, and then Cameron, who's been one of our one of the solid the solid figures on the eleven. Missing all those three, it just it, yeah. I I can't see us getting a win, unfortunately. I mean, I I hope to be proved wrong, and maybe I will be. But yeah, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm just feeling down after my long drive. Um, <laughs> I should be just positive and say, yeah, we're gonna beat them five nil. Why not? Yeah, I think that I think the the weaknesses in West Ham's team are at the back, and I feel like without our most creative players in on out of it and definitely and our best player in on out of it then then I think we're really quite up against it and maybe need to be more cautious and just kind of settle for a point maybe maybe we'll, we'll surprise everyone and uh, I think we'd have to play on the counter attack and hope something came off with a, a piece of Sobe or uh, Joe Allen magic but yeah I think three wins on the bounce is fine four is probably a bit excessive for, for Stoke City right now it's very unstoke I mean I think you hit the nail on the head there saying with Sobby I mean we've got a player there that that is shown on Saturday shown on Monday <laughs> sorry um, that he, he can create something out of the blue with his goal so if if we can get the ball to him and he can work a bit of magic then then who knows what we can do but it is definitely going to be very much a different performance to the one we saw on Monday against a Swansea side that are just struggling so so much at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Um, just going to some correspondence now. Uh, uh, we asked on Twitter uh, about all the Stoke games you remember. Sussex Stokey of this parish, um, all the Stoke West Ham games you remember, obviously. Um, Sussex Stokey says... When Fuller forced three defenders into early retirement, that's a classic. That's a <laughs> well, that's a classic Ricardo Fuller goal. Yeah, I think it's easily in his top three. Um, for some reason, in that game, we were playing in black shorts with the red and white. It might have been oh, the yeah. season West Ham went down, and Matthew Upson was one of the three defenders. Ricardo Fuller just kind of took the piss out of really. And... <laughs> Uh, slam that ball in. Also, there's the. Um, do you remember the three-one home win from a 
Mark Hughes's first season? No, I don't recall. It was towards the end. It was in that spell in Mark Hughes's first season, toward the end of the season, where we were playing really good football. It looked like we'd start to click as a team. Yeah. Uh, Arnautovic was playing really well, and Peter Odenwingi and Stephen Ireland were like key players for the for us at that point. We scored a brilliant goal on the counter, where uh, Odenwingi just rifled the ball into the top of the net, and it. And we kind of like. I think that may be been the game where we kind of properly announced ourselves under Mark Hughes. Well, it was definitely in that run anyway. Mm. So, yeah, always the potential for something interesting to happen in a Stoke West Ham game. We've, we've kind of been a bit down on our chances at the moment. Kind of, yeah, we'll, we'll take a draw. And it was a disappointing nil-nil uh, last season as well. So, who knows? If, if, well, some, yeah, if Go on. We, we, just haven't, we haven't lost against West Ham since 2013. So, nice. March 2013. Looking at the record now, um, so yeah, let's long may that continue. Uh, also on Twitter, we we uh, we we did ask um, asking the absence of a West Ham guest uh, if our Twitter followers could reply to us as a West Ham fan to give us their quote unquote perspective of things. Um, a lot of these tweets I can't read out because uh, they contain <laughs> Cockney swearing. But yeah, a lot, lot of fight, fight, shouts, references to them winning the World Cup. Uh, Jamie <laughs> Chatfield has quoted a brilliant tweet from at Inside West Ham FC, which I, I, I kind of can't believe it's real, really. But um, it's from March 2016. And it's like four bullet points, West Ham related bullet points. 60,000 stadium, sign Ibrahimovic. Advanced talks with James Rodriguez and in the top 12 biggest clubs in Europe. There is that uh, deluded element. I'm sure there's a deluded ele- element at all clubs, but um, I think there's something particularly funny about the deluded West Ham fan. Yeah, I can I can, I can, get on board with that. I mean, yeah, to say that we're going to sign Ibrahimovic and James Rodriguez and put it out there on Twitter for all to see is 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 an interesting tactic. I mean, maybe it was just them hoping to get a bit of publicity because they're going to be so wrong. It also says at the bottom that they had the best, they have the best manager in the league. So I don't know what you think on Slavan Bilic being the number one. Um, I think he's the best manager of Croatian nationality in the league. I'd, de- I'd definitely say that. I'd, I'd... You'd go that far? Yeah, I'm, I'm, that, that's my hot take. <laughs> okay. Uh, any any other points on this game before we uh, wrap up? Not particularly. Let's <laughs> just let's just prove me wrong. Let's have Charlie Adam playing a brilliant mobile performance where he's running over twelve kilometers in the ninety. I don't know if that. I, I think that's a decent number of kilometers. Um, and yeah, he'll score a hat trick from speculative efforts that all find the top corner. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. Come on, Charlie Adam. I Excellent. don't know why I've suddenly gone on a Charlie Adam love streak. <laughs> I'm feeling festive. I'm feeling festive. Apparently, the John the John Lewis advert is coming out tomorrow as well. So is Charlie Adam in it. So well, I mean, they need a singer. What 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 would a John Lewis advert look like if it had to revolve around Stoke? Because like the John Lewis advert, you've always got this heartwarming tale that makes you feel. 
all <laughs> kind of Christmassy and stuff. Would would like a, a young Scottish boy learning to hit pot shots from forty five yards out, and then oh, he's got a crossbar for Christmas that he can train with or whatever. Or you could go, yeah, mate, that that could work. Or you could go, Peter Crouch is sitting in his living room, tweeting at, <laughs> tweeting indirect tweets until he gets a start for for Stoke, and then finally he gets like a few a run of games and he's back to being brilliant, playing for England, winning the World Cup maybe with England. Who knows? Yeah, maybe that's what they're going for. Fingers crossed. And, and then then it cuts to uh, Mark, to Santa in. Just like he's he's granted Peter Crouch's Christmas wish of a start, and then you see under Santa's beard, it's actually Mark Hughes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, maybe that will happen. Maybe that's the John Lewis advert. Maybe we just ruined everything for them. I think yeah, I think it will definitely be better than what John Lewis actually come up with because <laughs> I'm I might be just getting cynical, but. <laughs> they do my head in, really. No, there's blooming John Lewis adverts. I don't have that much of an opinion on them, to be honest. That's all right. Um, we, we could just talk about Christmas for the rest of the show, but um, <laughs> I, th- I think that's an uh, indication that uh, it's time to wrap up. Thank you very much for listening. Sorry there's no uh, West Ham fan uh, to talk to. I think there's a big taxi driver convention somewhere. Thank you very much for listening at Wizards of Drivel for all your Twitter stuff. Goodbye. It's not the mayor's fault that the stadium collapsed. Hey now, little man. You can stand there and slag me off all you like, but don't you start talking about how I feel about my beloved West Ham. Because I love him. I love him, Gooners. We couldn't score against Astro Go-Go. It's not acceptable! Imagine Ray Winston has coughed it up. Drink it. I don't want to drink it, Ray. I don't want to drink it. Drink it. Oh, please don't. I don't want to drink it. Don't make me drink it, please. I'll up with all your excuses. I want the money next Wednesday. But before that, you're going to drink a goblet of my sputum. All right, I'll drink it, Ray. That's right. Drink it there, nice and good. Millwall and West Ham firms hate each other more than any other firms by far. Sort of like the Yankees and the Red Sox. More like the Israelis and the Palestinians. Off to London, no doubt. Go to London. I guarantee you'll either be mugged or not appreciated. Catch the train to London, stopping at Rejection, Disappointment, Backstabbing Central and Shattered Dreams Parkway. <laughs>